Is it time? This is the My New Norm podcast. And I'm your host, Barry Scott Young. And now, on with the show. What I want people to know is that everything they're doing online is being watched, is being tracked. Every single action you take is carefully monitored and recorded. You've got mail. In this episode, you'll hear an important conversation about today's various kinds of technology and its threat to your business and family. You will also be given information for safe practices to ensure protection from cyber and other technology attacks. CJ Gilbert is my guest today. He is a self-proclaimed web geek and founder of Jungle Studios, a business that guides tech users how to safely navigate technology in their business and their personal lives. CJ is a husband, a father, author, speaker, entrepreneur, and friend. Make sure you read the episode's show notes for more resources on how to increase your awareness and create a plan of attack for you and your family's online safety. Well, hello, CJ. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing, Barry. Thank you. It is so good to have you on the show. I have been looking forward to this. I wanted to give our listeners an opportunity to hear more about someone that knows about technology, and you don't have to be afraid of it, but you need to be aware of it. And I thought, man, CJ needs to come on here and set us straight. Um, really quick, uh, for those who don't know CJ like I do, he has for years uh, been involved with website design and helping uh, businesses get set up. Uh, he also has Jungle Studios, which I think is great because uh, it is a jungle out there. That's but right. let's talk to the expert and the web geek. We go back to... Uh, early 90s mm -hmm. in a college career uh, ministry group where I met you before you're married to Emily, who I know her and her family. Yeah. Um, it's so it's so cool to see where what you're doing now, because I could see that then, you know. Wow. Yeah. And and so why don't we talk a little bit about your background? I don't even know before college, some of the stuff. But were you always in San Diego or, or what was that? 
pretty much. I was I was actually born in the Orange County area, but my my family moved down to San Diego when I was in four, in the middle of my fourth grade. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm born and raised Southern California and have been in San Diego. I think I can say now all my life, all your life. Oh, yeah, great. So what kind of kid were you? Were you, were you one that uh, would take apart the VCRs and <laughs> and the blenders? What kind of kid were you? Absolutely. Yeah, I was that computer geek. <laughs> yeah. I was that conf- I was that guy that um you know, my dad bought that Toshiba basic computer in the mid-80s and that's oh, where my. I started playing around with stuff and and learning from the DOS commands how to you know, start working with computers. Did you ever have a Texas instrument where you saved your documents on a cassette player? <laughs> <laughs> That's going way back. It is. It is. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, what kind of kid were you in school and and what did you play with and what were those kind of memories? Yeah, I was um, I've always I guess I've always been kind of a blend between a little bit of a computer nerd, you know, with my interest in computers. I've always had kind of a geeky approach to life. I've always liked Batman and uh, Rubik's Cube (laughs) and, you know, this kind of thing, movies and and, and, uh, comic books. Yeah. Uh, So it it's it's not really a surprise that I'm I'm doing what I'm doing now. But there was a journey to get there. You know, it wasn't a direct linear path like you might expect it to be. Right. Now, you're you were also interested in music as well. That's right. Yes. Uh, as you know, Emily is a musician and I, yeah. I was a musician from an early age, played piano and guitar. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's another big part of my my past and my personality and my love is music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you find that um, when you have an interest in music, your brain is kind of calculated or you're you're more into math? It music many times is a lot like that. I think you're right because it, it feels like it really feeds both part, both sides of your brain, right? Because there's a, there's a very precise side. I guess that's your left brain about the, you know, the, you know, all the, all the technicalities of things, right? Which right, notes right. and which amounts of time. And, you know, some of that is very precise. But then there's this very creative right brain side that's, you know, here's the rules. Now here's how you can kind of break mm. them or bend them or, you know, that's where the feel of the music comes from, I suppose. Do you favor one side of the brain or do you have both left and right? I really do think I have both. And yeah, that's, me too. that's what helps me now with my current job, because again, website design is kind of the same thing. There's a lot of left brain. There's very precise. You've got to know the code. And I speak HTML and CSS fluently. And, you know, all that's very precise and WordPress and PHP and blah, 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 blah. But then there's this right brain side that's all about the colors and the design and the way that humans interact with things, you know, so it's, I'm, I'm, you know, to borrow a phrase, I'm serving two masters because I, I got to build the website for the for the computer, right. for the Google mind. But always on the top of my mind is the human user. That's really who the website is for. It's You're people. Right. You're so right. It's a it's a perfect blend for me between serving in the computer space, but I'm really serving people. Yeah. Now, let's move up 
to the time that I met you, you were college age, mm-hmm. and uh, it was there that you met your wife, Emily. Tell me a little bit how that happened, and maybe some of your, maybe moving more into your family now, the things that I may not know. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I bet you were there the very night that I met Emily. (laughs) (laughs) The fireworks went off. That's right. In (laughs) fact, I met you a couple days beforehand because you'll recall at the time we were at Faith Chapel and during the probably the summer months, they would do these cafe. What do they call it? It was something about they did some music and they set up the gym like a cafe and they would have Uh, some music going and some coffee. And it was one of those nights that I showed up with a friend of mine to, to just kind of check it out and and drink some coffee and, and hear the music. And I ended up talking to a gal named Karen and she said, well, you should come over here and talk to Barry. And she's, she introduced me to you and you told me about the group on Tuesday. I think it was. Yeah. And, and I came that very Tuesday and, didn't know nice. it in the, in the moment, but met my soon to become best friend and then wife. Wow. Well, you've got some kids. I can, I know that because of Facebook and all, yes. but I've never met them. Uh, what kids do you have and what do you think they're into and where they're going? We've got three kids. Our oldest, Caden, is 18 and is hmm. also studying music. And is just going to start Grossmont College actually next week. Wow! As we're as we're recording this, and uh, his his interest is in the ministry and is in youth and is in music. So right now he's his thoughts are somewhere around being a youth minister, being a worship leader, and some combination of those things. Yeah, yeah. Did did he get your tech gene at all? Yes, and he's very much into into computers and and uh, he dabbles with websites a little bit, but but as is typical, you know, the sun takes it and goes in a different direction. So he's he's got his own things that he works on. But yes, he's very oh. technical minded. He helps with the tech production at our church, uh, as as does my daughter. Uh, Kenna is fifteen and. Okay. Uh, also has is also both musically minded and tech minded. They both help with the with the tech production on Sunday mornings. Caden uh, is learning and, and playing guitar the most. Kenna is learning and studying the violin. And ah. she is actually just beginning to teach violin now. So that's that's something wow. that she's learning from her mother, who, as yeah, you know, is a say. music teacher. Yeah. yeah. So so she's passing that down through Kenna. Oh my. So yeah, three kids. And then our youngest, Cody, is seven and a handful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. You know, we I think we all have two kids that are the opposites of each other. And then we if you have a third, the third one is like off the charts. I don't understand this kid. Where where did he come from? Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. My. It's amazing each time you have a kid how different they are from each other. From the beginning. Right. Very much so. Well, it sounds like you have an incredible family and you're you're really an incredible dad. Very supportive, very invested, and you know, Guys and gals that I know are more tech oriented are 
are kind of um, they're hidden within the closet, you know. They're they're not real social, mm-hmm. but they're incredible behind the scenes. You're not like that. You you really do have the best of both worlds. And you know, you're an encourager, you're a networker, you attract people, you love people. I just you know, I'm thrilled um of what kind of guy you turned out to be. You know. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. That really means a lot to me, Barry. Really thank you. impressed with you and your family. I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the summing up what you do, because there's so many things that you can be involved in. What are those three or four things that you find are your strengths and you move out into those areas a lot? You know, if if it's okay with you, I think I'd like to start in a little different place and tell sure. you a little bit about the story that brought me to where I am now. Okay. Because it really has been a journey. And the story actually starts right where you set us up already in the early 90s, uh, where we met. I, I, as I mentioned, have always been a computer geek, but I really got into website design right around 1995, 96. The internet was just born and I had already been a computer nerd. I had already, I was one of those guys that, you know, used our computer and used our modems to call up other computers and connect <laughs> those on loud things. Yep. We would call, <laughs> we would, uh, there was these things called bulletin board systems yes. that we would dial into before we had the constant internet we have now. And that was kind of the early stages of the internet. So I, yeah. I participated in that and I, I played with a lot of those things. So it was very natural when the internet was born and websites were a, a brand new thing that I started learning all about them and how to create them. And I ended up working for a local company, uh, another friend of mine that I knew her dad owned this company and she brought in, they, he brought in me and my two best friends to basically be his web team and wow. that's where I started learning about websites and creating those and working for small businesses. Now, you'd think that that would be like a direct path from there to where I am. And I went to college <laughs> for computers and all this. But that's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually pre-med for most of my uh, no. later school years. Uh, my my mom had had this this idea, this vision that I would be involved in medical missionary work and had this whole idea about me going to Oral Roberts University and eventually working mm. with Mercy Ships and, you know, kind of had this whole idea for me. And so I ended up t- going toward that path. I did a lot of studies and in, in kind of pre-med biology and all this kind of thing. So that right in the moment that I finished high school, I was actually applied to and enrolled in a a Christian-based program that actually was in Moscow, Russia. And that's huh. where I went for essentially my first college year was to Moscow, to this medical college, and was kind of headed down that path. And, you know, to, to make a, a long story a little bit shorter, it, it, it didn't work out quite that way. You know, I came back from that program and, and uh, Emily asked me a question that nobody had asked me ever before. And mm. she said, do you really want to be a doctor? And I was like, no, it's horrible. <laughs> they, they have no family lives. They're on call yeah, all right. the time. It's yeah. an incredible amount of stress. And so I became an entrepreneur. 
No, seriously, though, it, it <laughs> I didn't know. I'm like, no, I really don't. I really don't want that. So went to college, kind of fumbled around for a couple of years like you do. Right. Yeah. What am I going to do? What am I going to what am I going to do? I ended up hearing about a job in banking. So I went to work for a credit union for a couple months. And then in that job, heard about another job open at, at Geico Insurance. And I ended mm-hmm. up going to work for them. That's where I ended up getting an insurance license. And I was one of those guys on the phone. You know, one call could save you 15%. This is not a commercial. Right. No sponsorship right. right here. But yeah. but I was one of those guys. If you called you know, to get that quote, I would be the guy that answered the phone. Great company, great insurance, really enjoyed working for them, worked for them for about a year and a half. Emily actually came to work for them, too. I was in the sales department. She was in the service department. We have a lot of great memories from that. Uh, And then I had another opportunity to move uh, to a different company. I went to work for AAA, Auto Club of Southern Mm -hmm. California, and basically sold insurance for them. Auto insurance, home insurance, worked for them for a year and a half. Really enjoyed it. Um, But... The pressure of that kind of a job, it's a sales job, right? So you always have this pressure to sell, 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 sell. And I was studying a lot about sales and I enjoyed it, except I just didn't like that pressure of it. Right. And I had another opportunity that came up. And so I kind of stepped sideways. Instead of being in a sales role, I was able to take on an inspection role, which was a lot of fun. I had a Jeep Wrangler and they would send me to all the parts of San Diego that no one else wanted to go to. You know, (laughs) other people were selling the policies and I would just get the report that says we need you to drive up over here, make sure the house is still standing there, make sure it still has a roof. It was really a basic inspection, but it was a lot of fun, and it took me all over San Diego. And then one day, I was inspecting a house in La Mesa, not too far from where I am right now, and I had already done the inside of the house, and I was headed out the back. They had a wooden deck out on their back patio area, and I was headed down these wooden stairs. I was going to check out the foundation of the home, and there was a loud crack, and I fell right through that staircase. Oh, And that's how I fell out of the insurance industry. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) And, you know, this – at the – at the time was a great tragedy for me, right? There was a lot of pain. There was a lot of recovery. There was a lot of physical therapy and chiropractic visits and, Mm. you know, TENS units and, you know, pain, electrical stimulation and ice packs and all kinds of stuff, right? And I was kind of out of it for a couple of years in this process of I'm recovering. It was a workers' comp claim. What am I going to do next? And during that process, they're like, well, you can't hike all over San Diego anymore. So what else do you know how to do? And I said, well, I um, I like German. I can speak German. They're like, nah, that's useless. What else you got? I'm like, well, uh, sign language. I enjoy language and sign language. No, no. What else you got? Like, well, I'm, I'm really into computers. I know how to build websites. And they said that that might be something right there. That's something we can pay for. And they sent me to a local college where I, I enrolled in this multimedia and technology design course and a lot of it was a bit of a refresher you know using photoshop and some of the other tools i had used before but there were some new things in the website design world there was this brand new thing called css at the Mm. time and i I promise not to use too many acronyms for your audience (laughs) (laughs) but just to mention that that was a a really 
different thing in website design. It changed right. the game. And it was really exciting to me to see how all of a sudden we were able to take what used to be all clumped together in one page and separated out these two elements, essentially so we could serve people better. And that was really exciting to me. And through that process, I ended up opening my own company. So what mm. originally looked like a tragedy and a terrible thing that happened in my life directly led me into opening my own company, becoming an entrepreneur, working for myself. Here we That was 2006. And here we are all these years later. I've been doing it full time ever since. So you really fell into it. I really did. <laughs> Or fell back into it or something yeah. like that. <laughs> so, you know, in the when things are going on, you don't understand why. You you yeah. don't know why, you don't know where it's going, you don't you you're in pain, you don't understand. And only now looking back at it do I see exactly how I was led along a path and how that put me into a position to become an entrepreneur. And this ties right back to something you were talking about. I'm able to be a very involved dad because mm -hmm. I work from home. That has always been very important to Emily and I. And we've it's been hard, quite frankly. It's been mm -hmm. very challenging to do that, right? But the whole time we've checked in with each other and we've checked in with God. Am I supposed to do this? Am I still supposed to do this? Am I still supposed to keep doing this? Am I supposed to go get a real job or am I supposed to keep doing this? And, and all the time, constantly, consistently, I just heard, keep going, keep mm. going. And so we recognize now that that's been so fortunate for us, for me to be able to work out of my home and have a relationship with my kids in, in, a, in a way that Emily and I did not have this kind of relationship with right. our dad. They got up at, you know, before 6 a.m. and took off for work and, you know, traffic and were gone all day and then came home late at night. And I've been able to have a different, a different experience than that. And I'm so grateful. Great stuff, CJ. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's kind of turn the corner here to provide the clearing of the fog on technology from our listeners, why don't we pinpoint maybe some things that will help families? Let's start there. What are some of the benefits of this stuff we're talking absolutely, about? Absolutely. Absolutely. When I, uh, great question. And when I first got started the year again, about 2006, I kind of hung up my shingle and I can build websites now for your company. And I started meeting local people. And, uh, and what I learned really fast is that most business owners knew they needed a website, but they didn't really know what to do with it. Right. And so that, that made me really think, really chew on it. What is a website supposed to do for you or your company or really your clients? And I ended up writing down some thoughts and that's how I ended up writing a book called mm. five golden keys to sharpen your website. And what it really comes down to is that your website is a tool. It's a tool for your business and it can help your business in two key areas, your sales and your customer service. And what mm. I recognize now is that all the jobs that I had before were preparing me for this moment. All that time that I spent studying sales wow. and that the art of sales and, and what a company needs now directly ties into what I'm able to do with websites in, uh, 
using it as a sales tool for your company. Likewise, all my customer service experience and customer service jobs taught me that a website should serve your people like a customer service tool. And those pieces went right into my book. And that's kind of what I teach now. So in addition to creating websites and building websites, which I still do, I now have this whole other like wing and aspect of what I do in this teaching space. I'm a speaker. I'm an author. I love to be on podcasts just like this. I love to talk to groups of entrepreneurs and business owners. And I've discovered that little my superpower essentially is that I'm a geek, but I can also speak normal human and Ah. I can translate the two things. And that's kind of where my whole jungle theme came from because every time I say the internet is a jungle, people shake their heads. (laughs) They agree with me. They, they, they understand it. They feel that everyone at some point has felt trapped or lost in that jungle. And so I'm now positioned myself as the jungle safari guide, and I'm helping people use the internet, use these tools, use their website or many of the other websites out there as a tool in your business to help you with something. Maybe it's automation. Maybe it's going to save you time. Maybe it's going to be some reminders for you. And now that's evolved into our smartphones and we all have these devices in our hands. So I'm so fortunate that Even in the midst of all this chaos and confusion and pain and tragedy and whatever else, it was directly turned into good. And now I'm serving people with all that experience, teaching them how to use these tools and not make it complicated and laugh and have fun and not be intimidated and and just recognize their tools. And whether we reach for the hammer or we reach for the screwdriver is really just because what we want to do next or what we're trying to accomplish. Those are some of the benefits of of some of the things that you mentioned. There has been a gigantic increase in depression and anxiety for American teenagers, which began right around between 2011 and 2013. It's up 62% for older teen girls. It's up 189% for the preteen girls. That's nearly triple. And that pattern points to social media. Gen Z, the kids born after 1996 or so, those kids are the first generation in history that got on social media in middle school. How do they spend their time? They come home from school and they're on their devices. The whole generation is more anxious, more fragile, more depressed. This is a real change in a generation. And remember, for every one of these, for every hospital admission, there's a family that is traumatized and horrified. My God, what is happening to our kids? are concerned for preteens and teens. They're probably noticing some uh, shutdown, isolation, depression, whatever. When it comes to that point, what advice would you give to our parents? That's a great question. Let me let me talk a little bit about what's happening and what's causing it, what's behind it, and then we can start talking a little bit about some of the solutions. So 
What's happened is social media has become a place where we celebrate our greatest wins and we get to show off. It's our it's our trophy wall. It's our achievements. It's really the highlight reel of what's going on in our lives. So we're showing the best things. We're showing the vacations. We're showing the best dinners we're having, the shows we're going to, all the fun, the celebrities we're seeing. It's all these very highlight, high level, best moments. Mm. And when you're on this side, of the camera and you're watching you're you're scrolling through your feed and you're watching that happen it's really easy to begin to get this idea that everyone else out there is having this amazing fantastic life and i'm i'm struggling i'm in a day-to-day basis and i've got my work or my school or my projects or my parents or my friends or my relationships when you're in your day-to-day life, you feel the grind, you feel the pain. But when you're looking at social media, you only see other people's highlight reel. Yeah. And some, and that's not always true. Sometimes there's people that are very real and authentic and tell you what they're going through. And it is another way that we can communicate and connect, but it's just not seemed to, to have done that. It seems to create a divide as we're trying to, you know, it's like trying to compete with the Joneses, except now we're doing it in the social media world. So it's really easy to get this idea that everyone else is better, greater, having more fun, and I'm not. And that just, that feedback loop just sends you in a spiral downward, Mm -hmm. you know, because if everyone else is so great and I'm just experiencing real life, I feel like I'm worse off. And that, that absolutely is going to lead to sadness, depression, and all those other things. Right. So really, if that's happening uh, in the family, it reveals our relationship with our kid. Mm-hmm. And as a parent, it's it's really for us to dig in deeper and get to know our our kid and and make sure our relationship is good so it's going to show our relationship Mm -hmm. uh good or bad so what what other thing would you share i think that even though it social media is a method of communication it's it's like we're still have less communication if that makes sense right we're communicating less even though we have more platforms to do it and maybe some sort of a rule that you shouldn't wake up in the morning and immediately jump on your phone. Give yourself an hour to do other things, read other things, study, pray, you know, and then likewise, before you go to bed, maybe an hour before you go to bed, turn it off, stop it, let your mind dwell on other things. Don't right. go to sleep with that social media s- still scrolling through your brain because uh, it'll stay there all night long. So when you feel as a parent that social media is controlling your family, that's a warning to take control of social media in your family. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Encourage the communication. Encourage your kids to come talk to you about what they're going through and what they're feeling like. And I would also encourage in-person relationships. When you're friends with people, you'd learn about their struggles. You're there to support each other. If your kids can join a church group, a youth group, and and meet other people going through similar things and working together in similar problems, it makes you feel like you're not alone anymore. And there's other people going through what I'm going through. Uh, You know, oh, I'm not alone. Well said. I know there's a lot of things we hear on the news and through a conversation causes us to be very much afraid, Mm -hmm. you know, where 
we have technology now uh, recording what what we're doing, where we are. We know in some way it's to help sell products, and we've all had a conversation with with someone. And then we open up Facebook and there's an ad for that product, you know, that we mentioned. So it yeah. freaks us out. But what are the real concerns for parents with kids or just parents that we need to be aware of? What are some of those warnings and scams out there that you know of? Sure. Great question. Great question. I just want to mention briefly that there's a lot of um, education you can find out there about smart things for parents to do to protect their kids. Yeah. Just a couple things come into my mind are the little, you know, the little stickers you can get that go over your webcam or go over, you know, mm. the, the, the camera phone uh, cameras, those kind of things. You know, understand how your privacy settings work on both your phone, your Facebook account, your social media accounts. And there's a lot of great training out there on that. So we do have control over some of this, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you can go into your settings and you can remove some of those. It's always listening to you kind of settings or it's always watching you. Instead of hanging out in places like this, a lot of us are spending more and more time online. We're buying stuff and we're doing a lot of business in cyberspace. And scammers are cashing in. Cyber criminals are even posing as employees of the big banks and major financial institutions. And they're getting really good at it. Technology is not what makes these things clever. The technology allows you to hide your identity and hide your traces. It's the psychology that makes them clever. I know you, you teach many times on, or at least I see from some of your content, kind of keep us thinking about this latest scam. What, what, are, what is a scam and what, what have they been doing to us that would be dangerous? Absolutely. So uh, I'm I'm very glad you asked about that. One of my most recent videos on my YouTube channel, by the way, it's called Ask a Web Geek. So please do feel free to search YouTube or come to the website askawebgeek.com. And I've got links there to the YouTube channel. My most recent video as of this recording is talking about this domain name scam that I'm seeing so much recently. Hmm. Whereas if you've registered a domain name, and at this point, quite a few people have registered a domain name, you know, whether it's an idea you have for a business or whether it's something you're doing personally or a hobby or, you know, a family. I've seen people get their name to use as like a family archive kind of a thing. So I see a lot of that. If you've purchased a domain name, you need to know a couple things. The first thing you need to know is you're going to fill out essentially a registration card when you register that domain name. Mm -hmm. And whatever you put on that registration card is public information. So other people can look at that. And if you're putting your name, your home address, your personal email, your phone number, that information can be publicly accessed at any time by anyone that, that, that looks up the information on that domain name. So my first recommendation is when you register a domain name, you have the ability to enable what they call a privacy feature or 
almost like an anonymous setting where you're authorizing your provider. It could be GoDaddy. I use a different provider. Um, it, you're authorizing them to essentially do a private registration where they put their name on the public facing information. So if someone looked it up, it would say it was registered by GoDaddy and Correct. it would not give away your personal information. So that's probably my first tip is take advantage of that private registration option. The next thing to tell you is because maybe you haven't done that previously or you'll change it now. But the next thing that's going to happen is uh, not only is that other information public, but the date that you registered it and therefore the date that it renews is also publicly available. So domains renew every year and you can prepay for a couple of years, but right. eventually it's going to come up for renewal again. And your registrar, that's the company that registers it for you, is going to contact you and let you know it's it's renewing. Maybe you already have a credit card on file. Maybe they're just letting you know they're going to they're going to hit that card for your next amount. But here's something else that happens. Other companies, other people can see when this domain name renews and they send you a letter in the mail. And this letter, it looks like an invoice. And this is the scam that gets me so hopped up and upset because my clients throughout the year will show me these letters and be like, I thought, CJ, I thought you registered my domain name for me. Who's this? What's this letter I just got? And it looks so official. It looks like an invoice. It's got your domain name across the mm. top, really big, gilbertstudios.com, junglestudios.com. It's got your renewal date, very bold. And, th and guess what? That, that part of the letter's true. You do have a domain name and it does mm -hmm. renew on that date. But the rest of the letter's not true. The rest of the letter is basically trying to get you to, to, they're trying to steal your business. If you get, if you pay them, you're essentially allowing them to transfer your domain name and become the owner of your domain name. And you have to look on the letter for in small print where it says, this is not a bill. And when I point that out to people, uh, they're like, mm. oh, my gosh, I feel so stupid. It says right here, this is not a bill. I didn't even see that. And I say, no, of course not. You're not meant to see that. They don't want yeah. you to see that. They bury it in that, you know, that whole big block of text so that right. you don't see it. But that's the only way that keeps this from being completely illegal is that it says on that form, this is not a bill. This is not an invoice. This is an advertisement. This is a solicitation. But people are busy and they just don't see that and they don't understand. So they're preying off of people being too busy and a little ignorant in this particular topic. And they're preying on that. And I don't like yeah. that at all. Yeah. Our other big story tonight, a first investigates exactly how cyber criminals use email phishing attacks to successfully steal billions. As far as emails, we get so many uh, emails each day, but there is a, by design, an email that will come wanting us to click on a link or whatever, or think we're getting information from uh, a friend or a company that we do business with. Mm -hmm. Isn't that pretty high up on the list that we get a lot of those and don't even know it? 
Yes, and that was the very next thing I was going to bring up. So you're you're mm-hmm. right on track. In addition to these letters that come to you, now we're getting emails that come to you. And they could even use the logo of the company that's <sighs> legitimately your registrar. They, yeah. they are essentially like visually copying what their renewal letter looks like and sending you a copy of it. It looks really legitimate. I mean, I could hold the two side by side and you, you would not be able to tell them apart just by glancing at them. But here's what you have to do. You have to look and see who that email came from. Look at the from address. And chances are, if you study the domain name of the company of whatever sent sent it to you, you're going to see something off. For example, instead of it being from GoDaddy.com, maybe it's from Ren, you know, GoDaddyRenewal.com or GoDuddy, like it's using a U <laughs> instead of an A, right? I mean, this yeah. is what they do. So wow. you have to study that domain name to, to see if visually it looks legitimate. Chances are you're going to see it's not. You're going to immediately recognize, oh, they put a couple extra letters right there. And that's not, that's not GoDaddy.com. That's now something else. And likewise, if you hover your mouse over the button that's, you know, click here to renew, click here to pay, click here to whatever. If you hover your mouse over that and don't click it, just hover it over there and then look at the bottom left corner of your browser, it's going to show you what address you're about to go to. In other words, hover your cursor and look for it to tell you if you were to click this, where are you about to go? And look at that link and you're going to see the same thing. You're going to see it doesn't say GoDaddy.com slash my renewal. It says something else. It's got extra letters in there or and I just saw this happen this last week to someone. How do I best describe this for the listeners that are listening? Have you seen an A? If you imagine the way that an A looks when you type it on the on the keyboard, it's like a circle with a line over the top of it that comes over like this. You know what I'm saying? This is yeah. how an A looks when it's typed. But there's another character that looks almost like a small A, like an O with a line down the side. That also looks like an A, but that's a different character than the first A. Huh. Do you, do you know what yeah, I mean by that? Yeah. And, and visually, you may not even know the difference. You might not even recognize it, but it's a different character and therefore it's a different domain name. So if it says go daddy, except that A is not this A, it's that A. It's a, it's a different whole different scene. thing. Yeah. Exactly. And that's like another level of extra super sneaky. You know, in talking to friends and especially friends that are parents, there's a concern for, you know, they feel like the technology has taken over their relationship with the kids. Mm. What can we do as parents to limit or control the use of technology in our families? That's a really great question. I'm going to I'm going to go a couple directions with this question. The first thing to mention is a lot of these tools have pre-built things. They have some kind of parental controls built in where depending on the age of your child might make more sense for you to use that or not. It restricts them from accessing certain kinds of websites or if you have the ability to 
limit screen time or maybe you only assign mm. a certain amount of screen time per day or afternoon or whatever that might be. Um, if depending on if you have any kind of like a smart home network, sometimes you have even more controls over which member can access the Internet for what period of time. So there may be some value in those kind of tools. But I think the best possible solution is if you don't have to use a lot of those tools, if your communication is open with your children, if you're using dialogue to talk to them about the dangers of what what is out there, you know, people are evil and evil right. people will try to do evil things to you and your family and your children. And you have to be aware of that. And even using these restrictive tools it's not enough if you're not having that conversation. If you're not letting them know to be careful about who you talk to or what environments you put yourself in. Mm. A lot of the games that we have access to now are online and there's a lot of, you know, words with friends and, you know, this kind of this kind of game and sometimes those games have like a chat component where the players can chat to each other and sometimes that chat you only have a couple items that you can select you know a thank you a you're welcome a good game you know if they just have very limited you can click a certain couple phrases that's a little safer than those chats where you can just open-endedly say anything you want or reply and a lot of predators i've heard use things like that to start talking to children and get information from them in those mm. you know chat dialogues in what otherwise would seem like a very innocent game. So in regards to controlling, I know that there are, there's the beginning of families saying, hey, we're going to eat together. That's mm -hmm. the one meal that we're coming together as a family. They'll place a box in the center of the table and say <laughs> all phones in that box and yeah. for a half hour we're actually going to look at each other and talk. I think that's marvelous. It's hard. I think hard. it's a great idea. But there's there's things like that. What I'm feeling is we're at the point where we need to take control of technology. Yes. It's been out there too long, and it's such a distraction that keeps us from interaction and relationships. We see it. Yes. But as a family that wants to do something, we have to. Is yes. That, you would say that, right? We have I, to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's a it's a shame because here I am a proponent for technology. I'm teaching right. people how to use technology. I love it. I think it's great. I think there's so much benefit to it for our businesses and our households and, and various tools we can use. And that stuff gets me really excited. But you're right. There's also a danger to it. How is it, Barry, that in this world where we're more connected than ever, people are feeling more alone than ever? How could that be? Right. right? It's this weird thing that it's like we feel like we're connected behind these screens, but it's not the same as being with someone and having that human connection with each other where you think you're connected, but you're really not. You think you're seeing an accurate depiction of other people's life, but you're really not. And that's where those lies can begin to fester and grow. Take certain periods during the day where you're not online. Turn it off for selected periods. Don't assume that you can resist it if you're hearing the ping. Take an occasional digital free weekend 
or a week when you're on vacation where you actually do go off and you're in detox. I don't know anybody can take a week off from internet. My wife and I, maybe last year sometime, realized, you know what, we need to go on a media fast. Mm. Let's disconnect. But as far as just opening up your phone and within not even knowing it's been an hour and you've been clicking here and there and going to this and that, yes. we have to we have to be aware first of how much we're involved and then the second make some choices of how much we need to be connected. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every one of these platforms has specifically engineered it to keep you engaged, keep you hooked, keep you focused on that one platform. It's so that they can serve you ads. It's so they can make money off of your eyeballs. And I'm going to drop a couple names, but they all do it. Facebook wants you to stay on Facebook. They they do everything they can to get you to stay on Facebook. You know how I know this? Because I've been on the other side of it where if you can imagine, I post a lot of links to websites on my social media, right? Websites I'm mm-hmm. creating, websites I think are great or tools you can use. Well, guess what I found out? Facebook doesn't like that. They don't want me to send people away oh, from Facebook. My. And I've actually been kind of suppressed in the Facebook world because of the number of links I post away from Facebook. They will control who sees you and what happens based on what you're doing. And I experienced it, you know, just just from posting a lot of links. All of a sudden, my posts get very little engagement compared to other people. They want you to stay on the platform so that they can serve ads, so that they can make more money. And they all do it, right? YouTube wants you to stay watching more YouTube so they can serve you more ads. And have you noticed the content size has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller? We've gone from being very comfortable listening to an hour podcast. I love podcasts. I consume Mm. a ton of them. And there's some that are very long form. I know of one podcast, they do a four hour podcast like every week or every other week. It's ridiculous. But (laughs) Mm. we've gone from that to smaller and smaller videos, YouTube videos going, you know, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. And now we're all about the shorts, which are these less than one minute videos whatever platform, whether it's TikTok, whether it's Reels on Facebook or Instagram, or whether it's YouTube Shorts, it's because, I think, it's because what looks like a very small time commitment, oh, that Mm video is only 50 seconds. Well, I'll just watch it for 50 seconds, and then you can watch one more, and then you can watch one more, and then you can watch one more. Two hours later, you wake up from this social media coma, like, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. I'm supposed to cook dinner. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, CJ, as we kind of come to close, what are some things that you feel like you must say before we end to help families, to encourage families and relationships, and how to use technology 
for the best. What are some remarks or things that you would say right now? Absolutely. I, I want to encourage you to not be afraid of technology. I want you to view it as a tool and proactively use it, embrace it. There's a lot of great stuff out there that we can use to make a positive impact on our lives and others. And if you're just aware that that you know about some of the other aspects we've been talking about some of the other dangers then you can be very proactive in what you're choosing to do and i also want to encourage anyone that's listening to recognize that your website your own website is the only thing you can fully own and control on the internet hmm. you buy a domain name you create a website you are in control of the content that you publish there you publish it online that is your little piece of the internet. That is your little piece of real estate on that in that information superhighway. And it's the only thing you can fully own and control. Because if you're on any other social platform, you're essentially, right. if you're using someone else's website, they own it. And it's a little deceptive because it feels like it's my profile. It's my page. I can publish whatever I want on my profile and my page. Yeah. That's not true. And we've all seen examples mm -hmm. of people who have said something that someone else didn't like and that was removed or they were blocked or they weren't allowed right. back in or whatever the situation may be. And I'm just here to encourage you and remind you, your website is the only thing you can fully own and control online. And yes, we should use those other tools. We could use those other tools. I encourage people to use social media, connect with other people, prospective customers, etc. The advertising options are great. But just remember, you're trying to bring them back to your own website because, again, it's the only thing you can fully own and control. CJ, you have been giving us some great, great information. I am so proud of what you're doing and who you are. Um, it's exciting to see your investment in your family and you're just doing some good stuff and it's good to connect with you again. If I wanna know more and continue the conversation and content with you, mm -hmm. what platforms do you have that's gonna help me and where do I find your book and your YouTube channels, all that stuff. We'll, we'll also put it in the show notes as okay. well. Okay, fantastic. I'm going to give you a couple of resources. The first thing to tell you is when I opened my company, I called it Gilbert Studios. My last name, Gilbert Studios. So my website is gilbertstudios.com. And I'm right in the middle right now of transitioning the, that business name into Jungle Studios. So I also own jungle-studios.com. You could go to either one of those, but today you'll, you'd end up at gilbertstudios.com. So just okay. be aware that I'm kind of, I'm in the transition stage stage. So if you're interested in website design and a lot of my resources, you can come to gilbertstudios.com. You'll find I have a couple resources pages there. And here's a couple things I want to offer you. I'm going to come right back to this free gift that I have for you and encourage you to also check out my podcast and my YouTube channel called Ask a Web Geek. You could go right to YouTube and search Ask a Web Geek or go to askawebgeek.com. And from there, you can view the episodes directly. You could jump to Facebook group, join my Facebook group. You could jump to YouTube, subscribe on YouTube. I'm still a big proponent of using those platforms. But remember, yeah. your website is the only thing you could fully own and control. 
And if you're interested in learning more about how to make your website work better for your business, that is to say to view it as a tool, I want to offer you a free video course that I've created, which you can find at mywebsitesafari.com. Mywebsitesafari.com. And yes, I have links to that from both of those other places. Ask a web geek and Gilbert Studios. And you'll uh, find a ton of other resources there. Ask me any questions you have. Go through some of the questions. Uh, let me highlight a couple videos to look for on my channel. Definitely check out that one about the scam, about the domain name scam. Mm -hmm. Definitely watch that and share that with someone else because I want everyone to recognize that this is a danger and they're going to receive these letters and I don't want them to be fooled. Even my own clients are fooled when they yeah. get these letters. Uh, and then the other thing is I've got some other videos on there on uh, one of the videos I have is how to create a password that you can easily remember. That's another thing people ah. tell me all the time. I can't ever remember my password. I have to have a secure password for all these different websites. I've got a formula you can use and follow to help you create a secure password you can easily remember, and it's secure on multiple different platforms. So that's nice. another video I'd have you check out. I'm so impressed with what you know, and we don't have time to try to become an expert in everything because once you are, everything changes. So we just need to know CJ. That's right. <laughs> And so I'm going to point my listeners your way. And I just thank you for sharing great content to help families. Uh, it's so good to see you. Say hello to your family. I'm going to be watching you on all the platforms to see you. Awesome. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much, Barry. I'm so excited. All right. Love you, man. Love you too. Really appreciate you having me on your program.